Hello and welcome back to the World Music Podcast. I'm your host, Will Marsh. Here on episode six, I'm speaking with American trumpeter, singer-songwriter, and producer Spencer Ludwig. Spencer is the former trumpet player of the band Capital Cities. He recorded on their platinum debut album in a tidal wave of mystery and toured with them from 2011 to 2015. Spencer is also a Latin Grammy winner. In 2019, he earned the Latin Grammy for co-writing and performing on Fonseca's album Augustine. In 2016, Spencer signed as a solo artist to Warner Records. They released his debut single, Diggy, and launched his career through a global target campaign. His songs have been featured in ads for Herbal Essences, the feature film Happy Death Day, and video games Just Dance and Madden. Since becoming an independent artist and beginning trumpet records in 2018, Spencer's songs have earned over 100 ad film and TV placements. Spencer has performed internationally with artists such as Fitz and the Tantrums, Katy Perry, Harry Styles, Mike Posner, Foster the People, and The Wailers, just to name a few. Well, it was just awesome catching up with Spencer in this interview. You'll hear us reminiscing on our time at CalArts, where we both met. And since then, you can hear uh, how much Spencer has accomplished with starting his own record label and continuing to release a lot of amazing songs. So uh, we'll hear how Spencer has uh, navigated all of these opportunities and continued to hone his skill as a trumpeter, a songwriter, a producer, and a performer. Enjoy. All right, today I'm really excited to have uh, Spencer Ludwig on the show, and him and I go back to our time at CalArts, and it's been amazing to see Spencer just launch his music into the world, and I'm, I've had a great time catching up on your music and listening to a lot of your stuff, and it's just been really fun, and brought a lot of joy and excitement in me to, to see how far you've gone. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, and just to get to reconnect here. I always like to start, I'm curious where people began their earliest memories engaging in music, and was it a part of your household, and you know, where, where was that point where music was starting to spark in you? Um, well, first of all, thanks for the intro, and thanks for having me. I the feeling is mutual. I've kept up with you and your music. And every time a video of you playing sitar comes up, it's a moment of, you know, joy and, and also remembering CalArts as well. Hmm. So, you know, congratulations to you. And uh, it's very cool to see you now are building and selling instruments. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to social media, I think, you know, everyone's felt somewhat connected which mm. is cool Indeed. Uh, and i feel like yeah every time one of your videos popped up I, I like needed to hear something that was going to like re um align my chakras <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> which you, you your videos just do which is it's so good that you're 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 sending those vibrations out there because you know it's a it's a vibration people need glad so, you're receiving them man <laughs> yeah totally received um so 
I started playing music in elementary school at my school uh, in Los Angeles, North Hollywood, California, called Oakwood. Um, and a lot of Cal Artians I know have gone in and out of teaching there. And I also, after, um, actually during Cal Arts, was teaching there. I taught trumpet, jazz band, um, and a bunch of other uh, ensembles. Um, so yeah, the days of, of being at Cal Arts and also doubling as a teacher was like crazy. Um, but uh, prior, prior to that, I was um, playing saxophone in elementary school, mm. um, which w I just jumped right into jazz and improvising. I think I started with improvising before I could even read, you know? Mm. So to me, like the idea of improvisation and self-expression came first. Um, which I think shaped everything that would happen in my career and, and, and to this day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was lucky to have an instructor, uh, Lisa Pimentel, who was just very supportive with um, encouraging the kids who wanted to play jazz to just kind of, you know, let it flow. And uh, good things happened, you know, good things happened for sure. Mm -hmm. And when I was actually, uh, I think I was a, at that time, the first student of the first jazz band at that school. Like it was a new thing mm -hmm. with that teacher. So um, that, and that, and that inspired me as a teacher as well to, to empower kids with improvisation first as well. Cause it, I think kids get, um, you know, um, t pushed away from music sometimes because of, of the boundaries of genre and of, of requirements and of what you're supposed to study. But improvisation is like, it's just, it's so broad. So anyways, um, once I got to high school, I went to that same school all the way K through 12 once I got to high school, um, I was told that I had to switch instruments if I wanted to continue in the music program, which was like disappointing to hear because I had been playing saxophone um, and so excited about it and improving on it. And then they were like, okay, now you have to start over for no reason other than if you want to join, which of course I wanted to continue in the music program. So mm -hmm. I had to pick an instrument that was not only something that you know would fit in the classical repertoire but that had like availability in the orchestra um if i wanted to join so i was encouraged to play the french horn which i really didn't want to do um but i had to so for a moment in high school i was playing french horn and saxophone and it was very difficult because if I spent more time on the French horn, my saxophone playing got worse. If I played more saxophone, my French horn playing got worse. So eventually I had to commit to the French horn entirely. And uh, I started trying to play jazz on the French horn and it was just like not the vibe for me. Like I didn't really love the way that that sounded, but I tried. And I, and I, and I learned how to improvise on the French horn and I played really, really amazing like quintet music, Ligeti like really stuck out as something that I loved mm. at the time. Um, chamber music in general. I mean, the French horn definitely like opened me up to that, which was great. 
but I wasn't able to like fulfill my need of jazz and improvisation. I started listening to Miles Davis and like playing, you know, his solos on the French horn just like wasn't doing it. Mm -hmm. So um, I begged the school to give me the opportunity to play trumpet and receive lessons and they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow it because they had already invested too much time and money in me as a student on the French horn, which they were hoping was going to be the thing that would sort of launch me into my collegiate experience. But um, ironically, you know, it, I ended up going to school for the trumpet and that's because I basically stopped playing the French horn and taught myself how to play the trumpet and learned enough between what I knew of French horn and saxophone that I could somehow convince the, you know, um, the, uh, the board at CalArts to give me a chance. And, um, you know, I, I really didn't know very much, but I could, I could sort of do a little bit and, and really what helped me the most was Miles Davis at the time. Mm -hmm. So I just, uh, kind of reverted to Miles Davis, like lines and licks and tone. And I was like, if I can like go, if I can just like get a little bit of that vibe, I feel like I, I can show people that like, I, you know, belong, you know, and I really, really wanted it. And I wrote this long essay that you have to write when you want to get into CalArts. Um, and, you know, I think David, um, he just understood how badly I wanted it, you know, and that, that's that. And, you know, I mean, let me get into the whole CalArts thing. So that's, that's yeah. a long winded version of the beginning. Well, <laughs> I think it's a cool story just how, you know, your kind of journey to finding your instrument and, you know, what you were doing on sax and, and English horn, like definitely percolated in your musical identity, but yeah. you knew that this sound was, was something that you needed to express this, you know, kind of improvisatory spirit that you talked about and, you know, Miles Davis being you know, one of my big inspirations as well and, and, so I love every artist has has a story of how their music kind of came together and and uh thank you for sharing all of that and yeah yeah the trumpet for me has always been like the key to freedom like mm. that's like for me it was like it was it was the instrument that I chose that nobody else told me to play and it was also an instrument that I chose how to play nobody was teaching me how to play at the time. Right. Um, I definitely needed the instruction, but it just, I, I have a connection with how like, how we came together and like found a way to like develop our own unique relationship. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, fast forwarding here. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of your music and I just love the way that you bring your trumpet in that improvisatory spirit into like a pop music genre. And I'm Thank curious, you. is that something that you envisioned for like a long time? Like how the trumpet could be intertwined in pop music and how I can define that um, since there wasn't any guidelines from the beginning of working with that band of how the trumpet should be performed or created in those songs. Mm -hmm. And 
um, you know, the experience for me of traveling the world through pop music, I think really inspired me to want to create something that could continue that experience because at the time and, and still in a lot of ways, the idea of a song sort of creating this forward momentum to experience the world um, through music um, is like almost like a free ticket to ride. You know, it's just like, it felt like getting away with something, you know, like, okay, I, I write music or I'm part of this music and now I get to like go to Spain and Italy and Paris and Japan and I can do it over and over and over and over and over again. And especially at the time, I mean, I had never traveled for music until I joined that band. Right. Um, my first gig with them was actually in Cap uh, in San Francisco. So that was really exciting. I remember like being so excited about that. Um, and, you know, as I, as I, you know, lived through that experience, I started to develop my preferences about the music and, and I started to develop, um, you know, an ability to sort of create an original sound that was kicked into like, it was forced into manifestation um when after the tour cycle of the first capital cities album ended which was in 2014 at the top of 2015 i was basically i was i was offered a solo record deal at, with warner brothers records and at the time i didn't really know what my songwriting identity was. I just knew that I wanted to do it for the first time. And the timing of wanting to do it and having the opportunity happened at the same time. <laughs> and I just ran with it. Um, hmm. So it's weird, like looking back for me, I feel like there's this constant parallel experience for me, which is that every time I like want to do something, I'm going into a situation without any experience of knowing how to do it, but the opportunity is there to competitively do it with everybody else who's been doing it. Like starting the trumpet in high school, my senior year, terrible idea, but led to Cal arts, mm -hmm. which then brought me into an institution with people who have been playing their instrument for way longer than I had been playing, you know, then I join an indie band and I have no, no idea about, you know, really what it means to be in a band and, and pop music and all of that mm -hmm. cut to literally being offered a record deal out of nowhere and suddenly committing to being assigned pop artist who's now going to sing and write and perform and do music videos and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, um, and, and here we are again in, in 2020 and I've, you know, started a company um, based on, again, moments of what I have gravitated towards throughout my career. And now I'm launching something and helping other writers and producers and artists through what I know. But I don't know, I guess that's the, it seems like a similar common thread that musicians 
and artists in general sort of are taking advantage of the opportunity, whether they're prepared or not. And you kind of, I kind of remember CalArts kind of just saying like, you just want to practice your instrument, practice your craft so that you can be as prepared for the moment as possible. But you, you know, you just never know when it's going to come. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's very inspiring to just hear how you are always ready to jump on the next opportunity. And one of the things I loved about what you shared is it's kind of like you identified a good song as a vehicle for you to explore the world and share your music with the world. And you, you saw that and then here you are now and, and you've created it. And so then, okay, you, you got to tour with Capital Cities. You're pretty much like arranging how the trumpet's going to fit in there musically and as a performer you're getting this experience um, of, you know, touring with a, with a pop band around the world. And then when you got this offer with Warner Brothers, um, had you studied songwriting prior to that? I, I, I don't know. Did you study it at CalArts? Did you study a lot of songwriting or were you more in the, in kind of jazz trumpet? And um, so <laughs> like the where, funny part, you write the funny these great part, songs. Where, where did that start? <laughs> the funny part is that, I I literally had to defer from CalArts in the middle of my songwriting class with Mark Lowenstein, who I don't know what he thinks now, <laughs> but I obviously, I didn't finish that course. So I don't even have incomplete. a... Incomplete. <laughs> it's incomplete. I have an incomplete from songwriting. Uh, and now I do it professionally. Um, and obviously I, ha- I I committed to it with, Warner Brothers, and at that point, my experience was only an incomplete songwriting class. But being a part of Capital Cities really helped me develop an understanding for everything I need to know. Um, And not only being a part of Capital Cities, but the band was, as all bands are, was a part of an era of bands that I like became very close with so I was influenced by all of the bands in this world that like honestly I I I saw on a monthly basis I would say for years like four to five years and we all became friends and I collaborated with a lot of them Foster the People, Fits in the Tantrums, um, like Cherub was a huge one that Mm. like really I love those guys um Holy Child. I mean, there was so many. Um, the Mowgli's. Um, there was just this circuit. And those were the bands that, okay, I was collaborating with and we were all working together. But then there was the bands that I was just surrounded by, like Phoenix and um, Imagine Dragons. And I mean, you know, a lot of the time, I think your experience with these bands would be like, you hear them on the radio, but like, I was watching them play like night after night for so many years and like really understanding their music and watching it live and watching show production on the highest level. Yep. So that was really impactful. Um, So then when it comes to, you know, committing to a record deal, my experience was honestly from being a performer surrounded by these great bands immersed in all this amazing music. It was it was my culture. It was like, that was my church, you know, for years I was just immersed in indie pop music. 
Yep. You know? So my intuition with writing songs just came from that, you know? My ears were just, like, attached to the nuances of whatever that is. Um, yeah. And honestly, prior to that, prior to, prior to getting signed, I, like, might have only in my life had like a couple janky demos. Like I just didn't even have time to write. So the writing started there and then. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I, I I mean, what I learned that first year of being signed was like the most unbelievable masterclass in songwriting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can sit in a classroom and be told what to do, but like, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing when like, this label was putting me with like these Grammy winning producers and these guys were all humbly supporting my creative ideas, but also helping me achieve them and showing me how to. And so I'm just like sitting next to and working directly with, and I didn't take any of that for granted. And I really used that opportunity to ask a lot of questions, to pay attention and to take notes and to, understand all of these tricks and things that you would now I think you know normally go to YouTube for whatever you know like I was just I was right there with like just incredible writers and producers so after basically literally writing a song a day prior to releasing music in 2016 I mean it was a year of writing a song a day and I just I had hundreds of songs you know Mm. um and and that and I've and that habit of writing a song a day has continued and um you know that was the beginning of getting on that track hmm. and i think as a, a songwriter that's what you do you you literally that's your job you know you and, and you have to write as much as possible um you never know what opportunity will come from a song you never know what opportunity will come from a collaborative opportunity when you're writing with other people so these days as as an effect of being signed, I've continued writing pretty much a song a day, if not, you know, you know, keeping it Monday through Friday, you know? So yeah, it's just that Warner Brothers really was like, it, it was like the, it was, it was, that was my master degree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, feel like only just now I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, beginning my professional career with the skills that I need. <laughs> but prior to, prior to like, you know, this year, maybe last year, I was, I was still finding my way and learning from every, everyone and everything about what it is exactly I wanted to do and my strengths and all, all of that. I, I love how you took that opportunity and just really, you know, embodied that you know, still this kind of daily mantra of writing a song and putting that practice in, you know, that there's, I mean, that is an education. That's that you, you got an education through being signed and having to write some songs with not a lot of songwriting experience. Yeah. And what, what did it feel like when you were starting, you know, your first month of writing a song a day? Like, was it, yeah, super inspiring some days you're like shit like how how was that i'm sure now it's different it's been a few years but you know would you remember what it felt like as you were starting this kind of daily creative process that 
seems like it was different than your music practice prior to. Yeah. Um, it was really exciting and I felt like I felt very, um, I felt very inspired and very, very much like all ideas are good ideas. Hmm. (laughs) So like I was just spewing out ideas and, um, it was healthy because I was able to sort of define myself as a songwriter and as an artist over time because of that, um, you know, extreme amount of uh, output. I knew that like, just, just doing it without thinking too much about it, like I would be able to learn from it. So, you know, and that's still like a mantra today for me is just like, just, just push yourself to like write and, and get ideas out and complete them because that's the only way you get to the next one, Hmm. you know? And, and, hmm. and the next one is really important because it's, it's inevitably better than the last one because you you're learning from it, you know? So you're always improving, which is sort of what's pulling me forward always, you know? I, I like this. Um, I think it's important to share with our listeners, this idea of just putting it out the creative output. And I think a lot of sometimes as artists, you know, we get self-conscious and we get stuck and your attitude here of just like, it's going to be better than the one before. And I I really want to emphasize that and um, remind even myself in the writing process of just, you were committed to creating something every day and you got excited about that every day. And um, that's a great practice and just a great methodology for um becoming skilled at at any craft so yeah i love that you shared that yeah and i think it's a good time for me to bring us into one of our uh one of my questions um your tune right into you it's just a favorite of mine i love just the the arrangement and and the whole you know it's a beautiful song and thanks you're talking about you know finishing a song so what is your process like generally maybe using this song as an example did did the um lyrics come first and then you kind of felt into the mood and the groove and you know the key and like is there is there a process for putting this song together and completing it or is every song different a little bit about Um, writing yeah well with that song um it coincidentally had a similar um process to the way that I work now which is I started like a skeleton of the instrumental and then once I had that I I had a writing session with um, my co-writer on that song um, Greg Alexander hmm. who wrote one of the greatest songs of all time called you get you you get what you give and I from there it, it started with melody over the groove, which is just four chords, uh, and uniquely, uh, pretty much the whole song is written over one bass note. It's just G. <laughs> the whole song is just G, um, which always makes me laugh. And um, I think there, there, that's a really important part of my music is that there's a some kind of humor in it, you know, like there's some sort of something to laugh about. And I think it, you know, I like to, I like to have that moment when I'm creating. Um, it's, I'm not 
you know, always taking it too seriously. It's more about like the feeling that I get when, you know, I don't know, I'm just like having fun, you know, and, and that's important. That's important. Like the Diggy video that just, to me, that's just like fun, you know? Yeah. It brings out just like music is to be enjoyed. And yeah. Connect with people. And uh, I love that that is expressed through your tunes. It's such an important thing to remember as human beings, you know, just to like yeah. have fun and move. And, yeah. And Honestly, and that's, and that's all of the music like was not overthought conceptually, which... I think, you know, some, some in, in the industry might feel like, you know, without that depth, you're missing something. But to me, the depth is in the free spiritness of it. Um, and that, um, is something that I feel artists like Prince, like really captured well, who's a huge influence for me. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a lot of depth with what he did, but, um, he definitely kept it funny and fun and weird. And I don't know, like, those are all like characteristics when I'm working that I look for, but, and and that's a deep thing to be able to bring that into something that is already rich musically in, in songwriting wise. And then to, to add that layer to it is yeah mm-hmm. it's a powerful thing and it really has to come from your essence too so yeah um, I'm, I'm glad that you shared i was thinking you know who embodied that for you and uh prince is pretty pretty huge in that regard yeah i mean i love um you know there's there's classic inspirations there's modern inspirations there's jazz inspirations there's lots lots for me um but yeah, I think Prince kind of embodies a little bit of everything, um, which I love. Um, and just his musicality as well. Like he brought that out in his music, which is rare, you know, that instrumentalists are like, you know, letting themselves loose in their music. And that's something that I've wanted to do more and more and more of. And in the beginning, I was um, definitely, I definitely held back, like even in Diggy and other songs, like I was more focused on like having, having the song structured perfectly um, and only sort of allowing there to be exposed a little bit of improvisation or a little, just a little bit of like something that's a little left of center. And I've just recently finished a new album that I feel like is much more self-aware and, and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to like take long trumpet solos and, you know, play, play notes that are, that, that are a little, that have a little more tension, but you know, that, that comes with, I think, understanding your identity and being comfortable with that, which, you know, definitely took me a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, um, brings me to you know you you got this huge opportunity to to sign with Warner Brothers in 2016, kind of like we talked about you you took it as like a crash course in how to write a great song and you really learned a lot from that experience. Um, and what made you know that it was time to move on and create your own label? Like what? Yeah. What, what, how did that process unfold? 
Well, it was clear um, at the moment that the entire staff that was managing my project and many other projects because they were a core part of that label left the label. Um, so a label, you know, is really, it's really important to have a team there that is championing you. Yeah. And um, naturally a new team that comes in has their own um, initiative and their own goals, their own preferences, their own artists. There's a lot of politics, a lot of pressure on them as well. So I just didn't feel like, because at the time I was still developing and my team that was developing me was no longer there, it, w it became a struggle. Yeah. And I, I really couldn't, I couldn't handle there being like this struggle simply because, you know, of a, of a communication error really. And I just needed to continue to create and to continue to put music out and to do it on in an inspiring way. Um, and there was too much red tape. It was like, well, now that your team isn't here, you have to wait for your team. And once the new team comes in you have to do it, it was going to be like, okay, so I'm not going to be able to put out music for like a year. Like, what is that going to do? You know? So yeah. I just, I just took a leap of faith and was like, I'm going to part ways and try to do this on my own. And I learned again <laughs> so much in the, you know, being my own label and needing to project manage myself was, was, was insane, but I, I learned a lot and suddenly became my own project manager, my own video director, my own video producer, my mm. own tour manager, my own um, booking agent, my own, I mean, like I literally wore every hat. Um, but um, I had learned so much from my partnerships with Warner and with booking agencies um, and with PR people. And I had retained a lot of the relationships that they introduced me to. So I was, I was equipped to do it. I just hadn't yeah. done it. So um, yeah, I mean, I quickly do dove in and I clung to a sound that I knew would have the purpose of being great music for me to perform and tour, but also music that I knew could have the characteristics of something that might be wanted for commercials and TV. And that was the beginning of intentionally choosing that path, but still having one foot out of it. And now I really got both feet in there. Um, but what that allowed me to do with songs like my song, like best life is, you know, I found placements for it in like the Royal Caribbean commercial and like Pepsi and Ford, um, and like TV shows and what, whatnot. And that, that allowed me to, to build a foundation for my label to subsidize the costs of being an artist and to function as a label. So that's, that's, was happening and the more that happened with other songs the more i started to feel like this was a path of least resistance that was providing the structure that i needed to be an artist and the lifestyle that i want as a person yeah so yeah. and there there's there's a totally separate art to understanding that aesthetic 
which is something that I'm realizing um, and or I realized was natural to me, which is writing fun music works well for TV and film and commercials. Yeah. Um, being too serious doesn't necessarily have as much opportunity. It has, it has opportunity, but less. Mm-hmm. So it was, ex- it was, it was exciting for me to, to be able to commit It was like, almost like finding the trumpet. I like understood a sound that, that was going to provide more opportunities if I committed to it. Yeah. Um, last two years of being on my own label, I experimented with a lot of sounds, which is why I think, you know, my records are like kind of all over the place. Um, yeah. So that, that sort of is just to speak on, on all of that. Um, but the new album that I finished actually is intentionally moving away from, from the sound of what I've done in the past and is actually more serious because I needed to do that Balancing for it out, yeah. It's, <laughs> to it's balance a different, it out. different direction for you, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's like, again, this theme of like, you're getting enough knowledge and information to jump into the next thing. And yeah. you had enough from Warner Brothers in terms of PR and, you know, music production and all this to jump into your own label. And... I'm curious, you know, you're in this time, you're, you're doing so many things. And even just being a musician in general, we do a lot of different things. People might not realize that, you know, we, we have to book our, our tours and we, some of us also teach and all these things. And how did you stay in touch with kind of your creative core and identity as you're just like going on this crash course for running a huge production? Like, how did you manage that? Um, I realized that in order to create, you have to, um, block out time to do it. Mm. You know, you can't, you can't scatter it or hope for it. You have to just commit to it. So whenever I'm working on projects, even if it's, you know, a simple thing like today, I'm going to, you know, mix a song you have to shut everything off. You have to do it and you have to try to get close to the goal or to the goal, you know, within the time that you've given yourself to do it. And so for me, yeah, time management has been the way in which I've been able to stay on course and continue to improve. Um, and it's something that I'm very um, dedicated to is managing time. Um, I'm always trying to improve on it, but I have a system that I'm like really committed to that helps me um, continue to improve in whatever area that I'm trying to improve in. And that time management honestly is inspired by being an instrumentalist and saying, and being like at CalArts and saying like, okay, I've got to do my music theory. I've got to probably practice my long tones. I've got to practice these scales for Paul. I've got to do, you know, Whatever, whatever your skills that you needed to do at music school, I think you learned or, or, or you were aware of the fact that you had to time manage in order to be able to show up improved. And I just took that with me. And um, I, 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 my schedule reflects that with respect to songwriting and um, anything else 
any, everything, everything and anything. It's yeah. all blocked out. It looks like you've utilized that to really great results. And yeah, I relate to that too, especially with this new lifestyle of, you know, we're kind of left with this slate of time and we're at home. And it's like, if you don't use that time, I've noticed some people are thriving right now and they're like seizing this time. And I feel like the people with time management awareness are taking this kind of interesting year and, and, and thriving on it. And, and if you don't have that, the days go by and you know, yeah, they you're, do. you're not moving. Um, so that's huge. That's huge. And one other thing I wanted to get, because you have toured with, you know, it's these big operations, these big shows. And I'm curious, what is a recipe for a successful concert with so many pieces moving and so many parts and like this, mm. you know, many people are, are, are a part of this. What, what is kind of um, a key ingredient to, to a successful show as you've seen it? I think, you know, first of all, the core of who you're working with, you have to have a really good, honest relationship with you guys need to be really on the same page. Like that is the beginning of being able to perform well is that home home is, you know, it's good. It's in a, it's in a good place. Everybody that you're working closely with is good. Also that those people treat people well so Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, the reflection of, of who you are is, is always being um, positively looked at by everyone who's working with you and around you. And um, I think that that's just like, that's like really important. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, you gotta, I mean, everybody's gotta be held, held accountable and responsible and like really trying hard to do the best they can. You know, you want, you need, people who are who are you know just just giving everything because it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy to to tour and and every little job no matter what it is like it makes a difference if you care and if you're if you're good and if you if if you're trying hard you know um yeah I mean I just I, I guess I just keep thinking about like you know productions are are it's it's all people and it just relies on people's you know ability to um to show up and and really give it everything and be positive and and um you know good to work with i feel like from there everything it just it all flows you know it just all flows i'm trying to think if there's like another well, thing to I, say about it but i like that you're kind of getting to the core of it you know like i don't need to know the technical details of, you know, where things are placed or, but you're giving the overall, you know, what is, what is behind it all? Why are we doing this? And what is the intention? And it sounds to me like everybody needs to be treated with respect and to be a part of this full vision. It's like, you're a community, you're a family, you're traveling around the world together. And without that, yeah, it it gets uh, a little tricky. So. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense it makes such a difference to have hardworking, good, caring, positive people. I mean, if you've got all those characteristics and you're traveling around the world together and you know, there's a call time and everyone's there and, and all of the jobs that need to be done are done when they're supposed to be done. And everybody can perform their best from the text to 
the artist. I mean, yep. and it's just an amazing flow when it's like that. Like, it's just like, it's flowing and it's good. I think another thing is, you know, being responsible and resting and taking care of yourself and right. eating well and getting right. You know, it's like, honestly, touring is just, it's hard. It's a lot of work and it's, it's exhausting. And I think if, if you treat it like a, like a real job and you really are taking care of yourself and the people around you, it, it's so enjoyable. Um, and that's rare to, you know, cause obviously there's a lot of like, stigma that comes with touring and people are like they have this sort of carefree i don't care and there's a lot of attitude there's a lot of ego and you can find little bits of that in different camps but some camps are just like rock solid and mm -hmm. it's just like so nice and i've been a part of a couple of those and i've also been a, a part of the latter so it's right definitely on. i know the difference for sure yeah Wow. Well, this has just been such a great conversation. We've covered so many things just from your journey as an artist and to where you're at now. And you're mentioning this album. Um, when can we look forward to, to hearing some of this? What, what kind of stage are you at? So I'm, I'm actually um, releasing six songs in January that were meant to be released by Warner. So I wrote these songs in 2016. Mm. Um, but when I parted ways, I, I parted ways with my masters and I held on to them and never released them. So I'm going to start with that. Mm. I'm going to release these old songs because it would be just a waste to let them, you know, sit in my Dropbox. Um, so they're going to come out, um, in January, most likely in partnership with, um, another indie label, um, and, I, I don't want to say yet, but it, it's a, a mutual friend of ours. So hopefully it all works out. And um, then from there, uh, the new new stuff, which is done, um, will hopefully come out next year. But, you know, if I can sit on music from 2016 and it comes out in 2021, I mean, it's common. You know, these things, right. they just, they, they seem new to the world, but they really were created years ago. Um and that seems to be how it goes, but, uh, but it's, it ideally will come out sooner than later. And, um, my goal is to also like find an interesting partnership for that. So we'll see, but you know, the priority was finishing music now that that's done. Once the, once the world opens up again, um, I'll, I'll have more of an opportunity to like really figure out the plan. But right now I'm in a very creative phase. So, I am um, just just because of what's going on, you know. Well, I'm glad to hear that you are, you know, using this time and we're excited to hear more from you. And um, this has just been an awesome conversation and, and uh, great to to hear, you know, hear your journey. So I think our listeners will really appreciate this. And um, Spencer, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Will. Great to see you. Well, thank you once again for your support of the World Music Podcast. I just love having valued listeners like yourself. Do take a moment to write a review and subscribe if you haven't already. As you've been listening to this podcast, you've probably gotten familiar with the jingle at the beginning and the end of the show. And I just wanted to share that that is an original composition of mine. If you are curious to hear more of my music, I would love for you to explore that 
It's available on all the major streaming platforms like Spotify and iTunes, Amazon Music, and you can also find links to all of these songs and albums of mine through my website, willmarshmusic.com. I'd love to have you join me as a listener for my music as well. Thank you again. See you on the next episode.